You're listening to Informed, informal chats about theological topics to help us know and understand God together. Informed. Informed. Hi everyone, welcome to Informed, where today I'm with Matt Fell talking about the Trinity. Hi Matt. Hey. Um, So this is a conversation which will go out in uh, two parts, uh, but we'll do a a short version now that covers both both parts of the long version, if that makes sense. Well, we will um, try. <laughs> <laughs> we will try. Um, massively important topic, isn't it, the Trinity? Yes. Um, tell, goes right to the heart of what we believe about God and what we believe about redemption and uh, God's action in the world. Um, what, in a nutshell, what is the doctrine of the Trinity? The doctrine of the Trinity is that the God who reveals himself to us in Scripture um, is a loving union of three. Um, so God is one. It's the explicit revelation of the Old Testament. Um, but within the one life of God, uh, we see three distinctions. Uh, the Bible, and it's, it's perhaps most clear, clearest in the, in the New Testament, where we see that God is the Father, who sends his son um, and, and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, and so God, God's acts to save us um, are threefold, Father, Son and Spirit. And so the doctrine of the Trinity is how faithful Christians have looked at the scriptures and, and that held together the tensions of these things, that there is one God but Father, Son, and Spirit share that identity together. Mm. He's a he's a three-in-one being. That's inherently what he is. Yeah. Yes. Um, it's unlike anything we've we've encountered elsewhere. Uh, each person of the Trinity is fully God. Um, it's not like a three-leaf clover where each person of the Trinity is is a third of God. No. Um, and each is simultaneously God. It is yeah. not spirit sometimes and then shows himself as father another day. And Yeah. So, uh, you know, the, the analogy that we, we use to, to kind of as a, as a negative example is, is H2O, you know, which goes from being ice to water to steam. God's not like that. He doesn't have moments where he's, he's father, moments where he's son, moments where he's spirit. No, the, the one life of God is this relation of father, son and spirit. Um, of the father giving life to the son and delighting in the son and the two loving one another and wanting to share that love in the life of the spirit god is is that relationship is that may i say that that movement some theologians have spoken of it almost like a dance Mm. and it's a dance in which the three persons are distinguishable Yes, yeah, that um, there are, there's three moments, three, three points in the dance, as it were, at any one point. There's the, the father who gives life to the son, um, and then there's the spirit, which is the, the, the love of the two being shared, um, going public, as it were. And all three share sharing the what it is to be god um 
with the exception of being one another. Um, so all that the father has, he shares with the son, with the exception of being the father. And all that the son is, the father possesses without being the son. Um, and the same is true of the spirit. How should we think about the father sending the son into the world? Is the, is the father in charge? Yeah, I mean, this is a, a, a sticky issue that we go into quite a lot of depth, particularly in the second recording that you're going to send out. Um, there is a, an appropriateness to the son being the one who's incarnate, um, because like we said, the, the father gives life to the son, um, eternally so. Um, there's never a moment when the father is without the son. So the father is the source, but it, there's never a time when he's on his own. Um, and as we said a second ago, he, all that he is, he shares with the son. And so because the son is, is the son from the father or the word from God, um, it's fitting and appropriate that he's the one who takes on human nature. But the union between them um, means that there's no there's no hierarchy in terms of who calls for shots. Uh, there's no submission in the son to the father because they are one. They they share one will rather than two. And we unpack this and, and some contemporary issues around those ideas. Um, we also talk about how how to interpret passages of scripture which speak of the son submitting to the father in his incarnate life mm. and so the idea is there is that there's something going on in the incarnation when jesus is on earth which um uh, which is appropriate to their um relationship in eternity but is a bit different it reflects the eternal generation of the son so a, a term we unpack but um it, it yeah but in the incar in the incarnation you have the human human life of Jesus of Nazareth being brought into submission with the the divine life um so the, the technical language is you have one person uniting two natures together um and so you see in the life of Jesus the human nature in in its conformity to the divine will mm. But that doesn't mean that um, that doesn't mean that before the incarnation, uh, the son was submitting to the father in the same way that he does uh, as a as a man in the incarnation. Oh, yeah, you're, you're right there. Yeah. Great. Well, if you want to uh, dig into these things much more, do listen to the full length podcast. Uh, but for now, it's goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. I mean, you've got some you've got some material for outtakes here, Sirin. Um, maybe try again. One one last go on that. <laughs>